2: Fun. Sign
0: up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Robbery, in. Yeah, Mike. No, I'll check it before I leave. Right. What was that about, Witness? A man by the name of Bartlett runs a drugstore.
2: He and his son were in the neighborhood when Lewis Butler was held up. They're supposed to have spotted the two
0: thieves running from the scene. Have you talked to him yet? Just over the phone. We've
2: got an appointment with him at 6 o'clock tonight.
0: Take your statement. I guess I don't have to tell you stay as close to this thing as you can. If we miss this time, we may not get another chance. You know as well as anyone how tough it's been reaching these things. Yeah. We wouldn't be this far along if Butler didn't decide to cooperate and file charges. I wish I knew how many victims there are in this thing, just like Butler. People we don't even know about, so scared they don't dare file charges. guess there's a dozen of them, anyway. I can't figure it. People hire a police force on salary to protect them and their property, then they turn around try to make a deal with a bunch of hoods, buy them off. How far have you gotten on the hold up gang? Well, how do you mean? The two men you've got tad, Carter and Quincy. Anyone else working with them? Well, possible, not sure
2: yet. Both Carter and Quincy have juvenile records. That's about it. We're still checking on them.
0: Robbery, did he? Yeah, Tom. Mm hmm. Uh-huh, That's right. No, I'll tell them. They're here with me now. Right, thank you. It started already. How's that? The victim, Lewis Butler, he got a phone call at his house a few minutes ago. Yeah. Figured it was one of the hold-up gang. They gave Butler a choice. what did he say? Either he drops the charges or they'll kill him.
2: 5.30 p.m. Captain Didion issued orders that the two suspects in the case, Marvin Carter and Ralph Quincy, be placed under 24-hour surveillance. An additional team of men was assigned to guard Lewis Butler. Each officer was carefully instructed to take all possible precautions to prevent the robbery victim and his wife from being harmed in any way. 6 p.m. Ben and I met with the two witnesses to the holdup. A drugstore proprietor, Sam Bartlett, and his teenage son, Harold. They told us that they'd been in the immediate vicinity the night Butler was robbed and that they'd gotten a good look at the two gunmen as they ran from the scene of the holdup. Bartlett and his son, Harold, identified the suspects as Marvin Carter and Ralph Quincy. Statements were taken, and both witnesses were warned to maintain absolute secrecy about their part in the case. Next day, we made arrangements to have the druggist and his son subpoenaed for the Superior Court arraignment. Six days went by. Thursday, October 17th, 8 a.m. We checked in the office and found the message waiting for us. What is it, Joe? The druggist's son, Harold Bartlett. What about him? Found him in an alley, 3 o'clock this morning. What? Yeah, slugged and beaten. that afternoon, Ben and I received permission from the doctors to visit briefly with our witness, 17-year-old Harold Bartlett. His injuries were painful but not critical. The beating he'd received was nothing less than brutal. His left forearm had been broken, and he'd been beaten viciously about the face and chest. He told us that he was on his way home from a neighborhood movie just before midnight when two men jumped him from behind on a deserted street.
1: I, well, I drove around some... Maybe five or ten minutes. It must have been at least three men in the car.
2: Why do you say that?
1: Well, there were two in the backseat with me. Somebody else had to be doing the driving. Mm-hmm. Then well, it had to be a sedan or a club coupe. I guess so, yeah. After we drove around a while, they stopped the car, and then they began slugging me. Didn't say a word the whole time. Just started slugging me. I asked him why, and he just kept slugging me. I see. At first, I think they were hitting me with their fists. It felt like something a lot, a lot harder. A piece of iron or metal or something. That's when I grabbed the cloth off of my face and I started to holler. Mm-hmm. What happened then? Oh, yes, nobody heard me. Nobody came anyway. One of the men swore at me and grabbed my arm. It was something. Sure, sure. They didn't say anything to you all this time? No. I told just before they pushed me out of the car. It seemed like I was at that car for hours.
2: When they started to talk to you, Harry, what'd they say?
1: It was about that robbery my father and me saw. The one they talked to us about last week.
2: Mm-hmm. What'd they say about it?
1: I said, maybe this will help you keep your mouth shut, stay out of other people's business. They said that a couple of times. I said a lot more would happen to Dad and me if we went to the police. If we were witnesses at that trial. Do
3: you remember if the men who called each other by name?
1: No, I don't. Don't remember anyway.
2: Well, son, you remember when we talked to you and your father last week, we told you to say nothing about the case to anyone. I
1: remember, Sergeant. I guess it's my fault.
2: Well, did you tell other people that you were a witness in the case? Did you mention
1: it in public? I guess I did. Yeah. I didn't think it was that important. I guess I I talked about it quite a bit. I'm sorry.
3: It's my fault. That's all right, Harry. If you remember it from now on, it'll save a lot more trouble.
1: I remember, Sergeant. Those two men last night scared me for a while. I guess most of us talk, talking, huh?
3: How do you mean, sir?
1: They were warning me about staying away from the cops. They said they'd kill me and my dad if we were witnesses. Mm-hmm. They were probably just trying to scare us, huh? They were fooling?
2: Well, you had a sample last night, son. Yeah. Were they fooling? After we left Harry Bartlett, we went back to the office and arranged for a 24-hour guard to be assigned to the teenage boy and his father. A thorough investigation of the attack on the boy failed to turn up any leads. On the surface, the two robbery suspects, Carter and Quincy, were not involved. During the week that followed, we heard of no further threats or attacks either on the victim Lewis Butler or the witnesses involved in the case. Ben and I worked with Deputy District Attorney Henderson preparing the case against the two suspects. Two days before the trial opened in Superior Court, we got an urgent call.
3: Yeah, I know, but how did it happen? Mm
2: hmm. Yeah.
3: Yeah, all right, Tom, thanks. What's the trouble? Couldn't be worse. No victim. What do you mean? Mr. and Mrs. Butler have disappeared.
4: You are listening to Dragnet. From beginning to end,
5: Dragnet is the authentic story of your police force in action. Now, from beginning to end. The Fatima story. Actual convincing proof that in Fatima, the difference is quality.
4: Quality of tobaccos. The finest domestic and Turkish varieties. Extra mild and superbly blended to give you a much different, much better flavor and aroma.
5: Quality of manufacture. Smooth, round, perfect cigarettes. Rolled in the finest paper money can buy. Manufactured in the newest and most modern of all cigarette factories.
4: Quality even to the appearance of the bright, clean, golden yellow package. Carefully wrapped and sealed to bring you Fatima's rich, fresh, extra mild flavor.
5: Because of its quality, its extra mildness, its better flavor and aroma, more long cigarette smokers are now insisting on Fatima than ever before.
4: So if you smoke a long cigarette, compare Fatima. You'll find they now cost the same.
5: But your first puff will tell you... Ah,
1: that's different.
5: Yes, in Fatima, the difference is quality. Insist on Fatima. Start enjoying the quality king-size cigarette. Fatima. Best of all long cigarettes.
2: Tuesday, November 5th, 9 a.m., the trial of robbery suspects Marvin Carter and Ralph Quincy opened in Superior Court, Department 88. The complaining witness, Lewis Butler, failed to appear. For two solid days, we'd been busy checking all of the butlers' friends and relatives in the city. They couldn't help. Each time the butlers had left their residence, they'd been under surveillance. We'd had an understanding with them that in the event that they were in their automobile and for some reason the officers assigned to them lost them in traffic, the butlers would immediately return to their home. On the night of November 3rd, Under the pretext of going to a neighborhood theater, the butlers made a right-hand turn from a left-hand lane of traffic, so it became obvious that they were trying to elude the officers following them. A check was made at their home as prearranged, and they failed to return. When they failed to appear for the trial, a bench warrant was issued by Superior Court for the missing couple. Deputy District Attorney Henderson asked the court to grant a delay in order to find the butlers. It was granted. In the meantime, we'd gotten out a broadcast and an APB missing persons detail helped out in the search. Still no sign. Tuesday, November 12th, 11 a.m., Deputy D.A. Henderson phoned us from the Hall of Justice.
3: When was that, Fred? Is that right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, thanks a lot.
2: What do you have to say?
3: The attorney for Carter and Quincy. Asked the court for dismissal. No complaining witness. Well, the
2: judge ruled on it yet? Yeah. Case dismissed. how guilty the two men might have
4: seemed there was nothing further anyone could do without a complaining witness our case was finished